You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Are you ready to talk Padres baseball? We've got you covered. Now is the right time to bring back Padres Social Hour as we await the start of the regular season. Friar Faithful, get ready to sit back, relax, and join the conversation. Now, coming to you from everyone's homes around San Diego and beyond, it's Padres Social Hour with your host, Jesse Agler. Good evening, everybody. Welcome to Padres Social Hour. Last show of the week on this Thursday evening. Thanks for joining us. Padres All-Star Quarter. Kirby Yates coming up a little bit later on in the hour, but it is Thursday. That means only one thing, and it's a very good thing. Mark Grant and Don Orsillo are with us, gentlemen. Good evening. All right, Jesse. Uh, Jesse. So good. Thank you. Great to see you, Mudcat. Nice shirt. Greetings, Jesse. Don, always good to see you. Fit and trim. Looking uh, very sexy today, so good to see you guys. Are you talking to Jesse? Who are you talking to you guys? Oh, how are you feeling about your fitness? I feel great. Okay, good. Yeah. Is that an MTV shirt? It is going retro tonight. Not a sponsor. Whoa. Wow. August, August 1st, 1980 launch. It's like a billboard when you stand up. (laughs) (laughs) You know how much the space cost to rent? I can only imagine. It's a big board. Lots of space. Lots of space. Uh, the Viacom company spending money with Mark Grant. Uh, thank you, Mark, for being here. We'll have a we'll have a good time. Obviously, the big story of the week in baseball is sort of the uh, the latest in regards to uh, the proposal between the players and the league, and uh, what baseball may or may not look like in 2020. How they may or may not be able to play it. We've been saying for weeks now the primary thing has to be health and safety, uh, and we hadn't really heard much in terms of details in regards to health and safety until this week. The two sides got together a couple of days ago. Uh, They did not meet yesterday, but reportedly, according to Tom Verducci of Sports Illustrated, there is a big proposal either on the way or that has been delivered to the players from the owners about how they're going to handle the testing aspect of all of this. And obviously that is a main thing. Uh, The the company, the lab, if you will, that MLB uses for their PED testing, for their uh, performance-enhancing drug testing in Utah, apparently is going to partner with the league uh, so they already have a relationship, obviously, with the lab, familiar people, et cetera. And apparently because there's obviously no great PED testing going on right now with the world of sports stopped, uh, that lab in Utah has been working on on COVID-19 testing. Uh, so the league, apparently, according to Tom Verducci of Sports Illustrated, working with them uh, to try and get something figured out where not only they'll be able to test everybody they need to test within the world of baseball, but that also they will be able to provide new tests uh, to the different communities, uh, I guess, in which baseball games are played that wouldn't have existed anyway, thanks to this company in Utah. So obviously a lot more details needed before we fully understand that whole thing. Um, but it sounds to me at least very encouraging and obviously a very big first step to this thing. Guys, we've been talking all along. It's sort of like a, a three pronged deal that needs to be worked out here. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's the health and safety aspect. There's the financial aspect, which is very sticky, of course, between the two sides. And then the fun stuff, as I keep calling it, Don, like whether we're going to have the DH and how many games they're going to play, the, the stuff we'd all prefer to only talk about. 
I'm just glad that they're talking. I mean, that's the biggest thing because it took so long to really get to this point. I felt like the discussions uh, as to how this was going to work could have taken place perhaps earlier. Uh, I'm just glad that it's even happening now. I mean, just the fact that the owners got together on it on Monday, as it appears, uh, presented the health part of it Tuesday, and there's more to follow with a somewhat, uh, depends where you read, but an 80-page document that uh, has possibilities ranging from everything from finances to uh, how this is going to work, where it's going to work, what places are going to be open. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, it, it interests me greatly, obviously, because what we do for a living. Um, but it, it seems like at least they're talking. And I think that part is very, very important. Uh, I think there are a lot of hurdles here still that have to be uh, left over really to get to where they need to be. Uh, there are so many things that need to happen. But I, but I, the one thing that I am hearing a lot from players is the health factor of it. And can they be assured that they'll be healthy? And if they do contract uh, the virus, what happens then? And I think that was need to be satisfied even before you can get to the next stop as far as money as far as tv as far as uh, fan whatever uh, that they're going to implement really the health part of it for a lot of guys is going to need that box is going to need to be checked and i feel like that's what's taking place right now and you know what don you, you hit so many good points here i want to start with the uh this the health issue and that's first and foremost no question about it I put this in the scenario of a jury being sequestered. If they think they're quarantined now, imagine what it would be like if they want to stay healthy and test all the time these players if they're going to play baseball. Because then I feel when you get the players, then you get clubhouse staff, then you get coaches. You just start peeling back the onion. Okay, now we got to worry about these people. Now we got to worry about those people. And then when it's all said and done, a lot of boxes to check before something even gets done. I am glad they're talking about it. But I see a lot of issues here that have to be checked. And when it comes to health, I mean, yes, that's the most important thing, but who's it going to affect? Players in the clubhouse, clubhouse staff, security. Now you worry about other people, TV people, if in fact we're going to be there, um, so on and so forth. Like I said, you just keep peeling back the onion, but they are talking. Hopefully it, uh, you know, things like this uh, take a lot of time as far as negotiations are, are concerned. So I think there's a lot of dialogue still to be had. Yeah, and th there's also a little bit of a deadline here. I mean, they're calling it a soft deadline. They want to get this figured out. It sounds like within the next three weeks, at most, everything buttoned up in three weeks, not just the health aspect, uh, because their timeline is that they would start a training session, spring training, whatever you want to call it, in June, and then games in early July. So, I mean, the clock is ticking, obviously. And as you said, a lot of work to be done. Uh, I I'm right there with you guys. I, I think the health hurdle is ginormous. Uh, you know, we've seen everything that's taken place around the globe in the last couple of months. This isn't as, as easy as just trying to figure it out. And Mud, I think you hit the nail on the head with the biggest thing that complicates it is this is not about players and coaches. Um, it goes so far beyond that. And if you're talking about travel that requires airplanes and stays mm -hmm. in hotels and how's the food coming into the clubhouse? I mean, it just like you said, it's an onion that keeps uh, peeling and peeling and peeling. There's a lot of stuff they got to figure out. Donnie, Jesse, imagine the teams, if, you, if you're, you know, wherever you're at, are there going to be security on the floors to where they watch you if you want to go to the Coke machine or something? Or, you know, I'm, I know that's so dated, but because you got mini bars in your room, but are, are they going to be able to go outside the room without supervision? Watch what you touch. Are they going to have to go out of the room with gloves? Obviously, they're going to wear masks. I mean, th this is full time sequester right here. If this is in fact what they're what they're going to want to do, right? I think it depends on which plan they're they're discussing. I think in some of the scenarios, the original plan, the Arizona plan that we first heard about, it did sound like everybody was going to be living in a bubble, as it were. This this some of these more recent plans are give guys a little bit more freedom to do what they want. I think one of the bigger hurdles for me, anyway, looking at this is the unknown. What we don't know at this point, uh, what states are going to let their teams play? I mean, 
is Newsom going to allow uh, California teams to play at Dodger Stadium, to play at Petco Park? Uh, or are we going to be part of the teams who play home games in Arizona because we can't play in California? What are the Toronto Blue Jays going to do? Are they going to play in Dunedin in their spring training complex? I mean, these are things we don't know that by July, will these places be open for them to even play in their home stadium? So there, there's a lot to yeah. me that, you know, you can plan all you want and, and and line this up the way you want it to be. But from a health standpoint and from a state standpoint and in Toronto's case, a country standpoint, uh, what's feasible? What can be done? Yeah, I think the the latest with Canada is anybody coming into the country needs to be quarantined for two weeks. So obviously that doesn't work uh, with the baseball schedule. Uh, like you guys said, so many unknowns, so many things to try and figure out, not a lot of time to do it. And all of that is assuming that nothing gets worse uh, from a health standpoint around the country. You're, you're asking for a lot of best case scenarios to come true. So just trying to paint the picture, I think, a little bit from our different perspectives here, uh, you know, in, in terms of where we're at, where we're going to need to be at and, and what might happen. Baseball, of course, not the only sport trying to figure this stuff out. The NFL uh, released their schedule last week. They're trying to go full speed ahead as much as they can to begin their season with some normalcy, although obviously it, it seems Fairly evident, I think, to most people that there will not be any fans uh, in the stadium for NFL games, at least at the beginning of their season, if not for longer. And uh, Joe Buck, our colleague from Fox Sports, who, of course, not only does baseball, but also the NFL, uh, was on, I think, a radio show yesterday. And he made a comment that that, uh, lit sports broadcasting Internet on fire a little bit. And he said Fox and the other networks guys are already sort of finalizing plans uh, to pipe in artificial crowd noise, maybe even like. AR fans, like digital fans, you know, to make the stadiums look a little bit normal on TV. We've all had this conversation both publicly and privately a few times. I kind of bounce back and forth with it a little bit, you know, in terms of uh, everything. But as as you said, Don, a few weeks ago, like it's almost impossible to do a game with no crowd. Really hard. You know, uh, it, it's very difficult. It changes the way I do my broadcast. I don't know about you, but uh, it's it sort of um, the way that my cadence works and the way when I speak kind of goes up with the crowd. Uh, if there is no crowd, it's really going to be very different. I think it's going to take us some getting to used to. Uh, but I, I'm with you. I've gone back and forth on it. First, I thought, no, nah, that's absurd to pipe in crowd sound that's not there, uh, you know, that isn't real. I don't know. Now I'm starting yeah. to lean in that direction. Like, it, you, you may need it, you know. I mean, I think to the spring training games that we do, uh, and those are from, you know, and a lot of it is that they don't matter. They don't count. Um, you don't have all major leaguers in there for all nine innings. Uh, it's different. But even when the major leaguers are in there and you're in like the fourth inning and it's somewhat of a competitive situation, because it's a smaller crowd and they're not as boisterous, uh, it, it isn't as important. You know, in my head, I, I can feel myself um, – speaking differently, like I'm talking too much because there isn't uh, no crowd noise or sound, which is uh, something I like to let go. I like to let the crowd sound go quite a bit and kind of uh, back out and, and let just kind of lay out and let the fans sort of feel the experience of what it's like to be at Petco Park or be at right. some of these uh, places that aren't so nice that we go to where people are nasty, you know, give them a little bit of flavor of the ballpark. All of that is now out of the equation. It's going to be very different. So I, I think I am okay with some sound coming in uh, because I think we're going to need something. I've always been a big fan. When we discussed this maybe three or four weeks ago about piping in noise from the crowd, I, I said I'm, I'm all for it. And I kind of equated – I mean, I've never – I know it comes as a shock to a lot of people. I've never worked on Broadway or in the theater. But um, imagine like an actor going on stage to an empty house. You go through your lines, you go through your deal. It's not, you don't have the same intensity. You don't have the same uh, focus maybe. 
but when you have a packed house and you get some reaction, maybe to chuckle, maybe to cheer, maybe to standing or whatever, I agree with Don. Yes, it does change the way you do a game, and there's nothing better than going to a packed Petco Park when it's late in the ball game and the crowd is getting into it. I feel that if they can pipe it into our ears, Donnie, you can chime in on this, you know, because we get the uh, effects pumped into our ears. Yep. Uh, if you get it across the speakers at the ballpark, I think that would at least help us a little bit get that kind of feel, even though it's fugazi, kind of to to get into the mood a little bit. And imagine three and two bases loaded, and it's the bottom of the ninth, and it's just crickets. Well, let me let me ask you, Mark, <laughs> right. from the player's perspective, I yeah. mean, we're talking about TV audience here. We're not really necessarily, I don't think, talking about in ballpark. This is not, from what I understand, and, and could change, obviously, going to impact the players and anything they hear, just what the announcers hear and the fans watching on television hear. I mean, same thing, big moment. You're a pitcher, you're out on the mound. And I know guys sometimes say, oh, it was always silent for me on the mound. But it's going to be silent for everybody yeah. on the mound. Now, why can't and, – and that's what I was alluding to earlier, so I, I, I apologize if I misspoke, but why not pipe in crowd noise at the ballpark on the speakers? Yeah, maybe. You know, I mean, we've got we've got the technology to where people can, you know, the 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 guys and gals who work at the Petco Park do a great job of uh, pregame entertainment, in-game entertainment, to where they can, you know, with technology these days. And you know, you kind of play it down the middle of the road, maybe, to where you you pipe in some sound and just you know the din of the crowd kind of, you know, whatever, just so the players can get a little bit of it too when they're out, when they're out in the field. They should have you do it. That was, that was good. Can you do that again? Can you do? That's perfect. That'd be great. If you could do that for a longer time, that'd be great. Yeah. And then layout is my best stuff. Yeah. When I lay out. It's what's on your best stuff. You just replicate it, you know, times 30,000 and you put yeah. a bunch of tracks together. I'm sure somebody could yeah. figure out. Look, they might end up doing it. I, I think everything is on the table as we've discussed. I mean, nobody really knows uh, what it's going to feel like, sound like, anything like that. You know, again, and I mentioned this a few times, but you, <laughs> uh, nice you go one, back Michael. to. You go back to that game five years ago in Baltimore between the White Sox and the Orioles and the players to a man talked about how uncomfortable it was, how weird it was, how fast the game moved because of it, how like not as focused some of them said they were, you know, as compared to the way they normally are. And that was a one off. So, you know, maybe you get used to it if it's going to be the everyday thing and, and you make those adjustments. But like the, the game itself could be very different without crowd noise, which will be kind of something interesting. You know, the number one thing that jumped out about me about that situation, that game that they played in front of nobody, the game time. I mean, yeah. there was no, I mean, they zipped right through the game. You know, we've talked about all the things that need to happen uh, in order to speed the game up. That game flew by, and it, and I'm not sure why it was, but it, it was a much quicker game, faster paced. Pitchers were getting the ball, throwing. Guys were in the box, ready to hit. Um, we actually were there right before that series had been canceled uh, because of the riots that were taking place in Baltimore, and they were riding outside of Camden Yards mm. during our series. And the final game of our series, uh, it was right Right in front, they had actually started a fire around the uh, outside of the main gate. So they stopped letting fans in. So there were only a couple thousand, maybe 2,500 in the ballpark uh, the night we were there the last night uh, before the White Sox came in. And that was a very strange atmosphere because we're only, you know, I mean, that's a big place, Camden Yards. And that 2,500 people kind of sprinkled out throughout the ballpark and they stopped letting people in. It was, I just remember how weird that night was. This will be so different for all of us, I think. And But I do think it's something we can get used to. And I do think it's something that needs to happen. Uh, so we just got to get past it and and just play games. Yeah. You, you, um, know, you know, Jesse and Don, I'm looking it up right here. I, I just brought up that game. It was an eight to two game. Does anybody know how long actually game time was? I just remember being real short. That's all I remember. Okay. All right. I'm trying to look it up here. So it, it was short. I went to and, 205. I could really? be wrong. 
Yeah, there are a couple was- reasons for that. For, from what I read an article about it a couple of weeks ago, and it it talked to like all the guys were involved. It was one of those oral history stories. And off the top of my head, what I remember, the guy said a couple of things. One, no walk up music, so everybody was just like getting to the plate and getting into yep. hit. There was no kind of lingering to hear your song or anything like that. Uh, there was no like everybody clap your hand stuff in between pitches or in a big moment. Uh, so that was a big part of it. Also, Samarja got lit up. And the White Sox, several of them admitted we, we just sort of packed it in in the sixth inning because it was so weird and we were getting our butts kicked and we just wanted to get out of there. Um, was there so, a hat shuffle? I, probably have- not, if I had to guess. I know. It's your favorite part of the night. No Lion King camera for you and Sweeney. None of that. <laughs> Simba. Well, you know. So that was uh, April 29th, 2015? Sounds right. about right. Yeah. Okay, because I'm looking here. Uh, it's too much. Go go ahead, Jesse. I'm trying to. Uh, Cole, by the way, uh, one of our great production people you you mentioned, uh, he he commented to me privately uh, that piping in noise in the ballpark probably wouldn't work. Uh, he said with the echoes and the noise bouncing around everywhere, really? he said it would be very distracting and probably unrealistic. So it would be just a TV thing. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I'm fully expecting, at least at first, uh, that it would have a big impact on the way the games look in terms of like play on the field. It's it's fascinating stuff. And I wonder about the intensity the players would have. That's the other yeah. question I have. Yeah. I mean, you're it thinking w- about it. Guy you're talking to later in the show, Kirby Yates, I mean, he comes in, his whole thing is adrenaline. You know, it was for Trevor for years, you know, that whole closing. What does it look like? I know you're coming in in a one-run game, but what if, what if there's no atmosphere? You know, I mean, that, that part's going to be very, very different. No doubt about that. All right. The uh, time of game, by the way, was I totally two hours and three minutes. Yeah, Donnie, nice. You went over, yeah. but that's all right. I was. I had a time. That was I mean, great, though. That was my point. It, it, I mean, I think that's. I, I think it'll be similar. I think a lot of the the problems that they have today with the game the way it is and trying to speed it up uh, are eliminated, and mm-hmm. the game is the game. You know, I mean, that's the thing. The game is the thing. And I think that's why the game times will be shorter. And I think there'll be more action. That's what they've been trying to do for so many years. Perfect. Yeah, well, perfect in one way, but uh, yeah, I mean, not so much in other ways where people can't go and see it. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But maybe, maybe some good habits could be built. Who knows? Uh, we, right. can, we can be better. Yeah. One place, by the way, that they're of course already dealing with this is in uh, Korea in the KBO. And if uh, you haven't been following along on the show, we have uh, chosen a team. I did. It's my fault. Uh, KT Wiz. Uh, and uh, we've been just kind of checking in on them every day. And unfortunately, the way things are going, uh, we now have a name for this segment. It is called the KBO Sadness Report. (laughs) Vic and Dory look happy. They are not. They have no reason to be happy because our Wiz last night lost 1-0. They were swept by NC Dinos. Uh, They've now lost four games in a row. All four games are one-run losses. Uh, Uh, Before uh, last night, it was three straight in extra innings. Uh, Last night, a one-nothing loss. The only run of the game came in the bottom of the eighth. You're seeing the sequence here. There was a pinch hit single, a stolen base, a wild pitch, and then a base hit to get the guy home. And it's just, uh, unfortunately, more of the same for, for KT Wiz. I guess if you're looking for positives... They only allowed one run because the bullpen has been lighting themselves on fire every night, and it wasn't an extra inning loss. Those are the those are the positives that I can come up with. Uh, they're back at it, back at home tonight against Samsung Lions. Uh, it's a two thirty a.m. start, uh, but they they got bullpen issues. Mudcat the the back end not good, not good at all. Well, maybe we should change the moniker. Everybody beats the Wiz. Yeah, yeah. Everybody beats the Wiz. <laughs> but are you, you know, staying bro, up I, for these? Are you staying up for these games, Jesse? 
Every single one. I find a Twitch <laughs> no, <I'm kidding. laughs> I've watched. I mean, that's the funny thing is like, I'll be honest with people today. I think live, I've probably watched about 11 minutes in total. Okay. In two I think it's cool, though, that you've adopted that team because it's easy to root for a seven and one team. Sure. I think it's it's nice to <laughs> root for the one and seven KT Wiz and just see how, you know, how passionate you are to be a Wiz fan. Yeah, well, I mean, I'm I'm not a fraud. You know, that's for sure. And they're competitive. I mean, they're in these games, as yeah. you pointed out. A lot of one-run losses. Yeah. Just who, are, get... who are the mascots' names? Yeah. Just me again. What was that? Who are those mascots' names again? Uh, Vic and Dory. So if you say it together, victory. Oh, that's very oh. clever. I, like uh, I did not pick that up on my own. I'll admit that. I found that out yesterday after three weeks of following this team. I think that's very <laughs> clever. I like that a lot. Yeah. Uh, another positive, though, you know, we, one of the things we talk about is, uh, you know, beating the shift or playing small ball, doing different things. Check out this highlight from the game. Obviously did not lead to a run, but this is I don't even know if you would call it butcher boy necessarily, but this is just excellent bat control and a great job of beating. This is not part of the sadness. Oh. Report. A little swing and bunt mm-hmm. over the third baseman and uh, into left field for a base hit. I'd like to see more of this in life. <laughs> you know, what that reminds me of that kind of reminds me of like uh, softball. Uh, you see, running them up in the box and then kind of you know, like swiping at the ball going the other way. This is very, very, very nice hand eye coordination, uh, very athletic move. Uh, Donnie, I think that's perfect placement. Yeah, that's just kind of slapping it. That is great. I love that. <laughs> the Sultan of Slap comes through. There he is. Uh, we that's had Boog Chambi on last night. He's doing some of these games on, on ESPN, and we were talking about the style of play, and he, he, he knows a lot more obviously than I do about it. And he said in Japan, it's like full small ball, a lot of bunting, very few home runs. He said, Korea, they swing. They've got big guys. They, they try and swing for the fences. There are plenty of home runs in Korea. He goes, but they don't do a lot of bunting, but unlike here with the home run explosion, the Korean home run explosion has not come along with strikeouts, uh, which is interesting. Uh, So he says, it's really a fun brand of baseball um, because you, you are seeing some older school things uh, in terms of contact and putting the ball in play. Obviously what we just saw, maybe an extreme example. Um, But, but Donnie said that there are more home runs than there have ever been way more than they have uh, in Nippon baseball in Japan. um, But it hasn't come at the expense of making contact. And, And he actually said last night, he goes, this should be the brand of baseball that MLB aspires to in terms of the way it's played. So kind of neat to, to see the different ways uh, the, the sport is is played in the different countries. How did the KBO do in attendance prior to this? I knew nothing about the KBO prior no to this. No, no clue. Okay. <laughs> I want to know when is the Wiz going to play Matt Williams team? Because Matt Williams is managing over there in Korea. Yes, he is. You know uh, what for- team that is, Jesse? I can't remember. It's one of the red teams because I can see he's got red glasses, which are pretty sweet. We'll figure yeah. it out and let you know. But I yeah, know they, you're a big fan at all, but you don't seem to know very much about the league. Uh, you know, it's more a hyper focus <laughs> on the one team. And uh, when big they fan. play, I don't know when anything. They play the other teams, then I dive into the other team a little bit. <laughs> uh, one thing we have noticed, though, is this guy uh, we talked about a little bit yesterday. We got video now to back it up. Lee Dayun. Uh, the right-handed reliever. I called him on yesterday's show, uh, Korean right-handed Matt Strom. We have now put together video of the two of these guys pitching at the same time. I mean, tell me if I'm imagining stuff. I got this as uncanny. Wow. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my gosh. It's the same guy. He even <laughs> fixes his hair over his ear like Strom they, does. They both break down on the backside the same way. The arm swing is almost identical. The moss is like covering up the name. Yeah. Oh my wow. gosh! Even the front side. Matt Strom's a little higher on the front side, but uh, number eleven. Wow, this is uh, 
That's unbelievable. That's good stuff. <laughs> I mean, it's just, you know, everybody has their doppelganger somewhere else on planet Earth, I guess. Oh, that's great. I mean, even if he didn't have the hair, to me as a pitcher, he looks like Matt Strom. The hair yeah. obviously. Delivery, very similar. Unbelievable. So that's uh, that's uh, Lee Dae-yoon. That's good stuff. Unfortunately, he has been a big part of the issues we've been having in our bullpen. Uh, he's oh. 0-2. With two blown saves and a nine ERA. So well, he's falling behind quite a bit, Jesse, and he's not hitting the spots with his fastball. He needs to throw his breaking ball when he's behind in the count. <laughs> All your smack applies to anywhere. It doesn't matter. Exactly. You the Donnie. same stuff out exactly, there. Exactly, It doesn't Donnie. matter whether you're in Denver or <laughs> – Halfway across the world. Yeah. It's all the same. Hey, it's it's baseball is baseball. That's right. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> last year, by the way, he was last season, this guy, uh, Korean right-handed Matt Strom, he was 17 out of 18 in save situations. He's 0-2. Uh, the two blown saves and two chances this year. It's all falling apart for the Wiz. Hopefully they can uh, they can write the ship. Anyway, that's our uh, daily KBO sadness report. Yeah, we yeah. need to get that to Matt Strom somehow. Have him check that out. Yeah, see what he thinks. And we'll get him on next week to talk about it. That'd be fun. Yeah, we'll see if he's available. Uh, all right, moving on from the KBO. We're going back in time here. Mud, I saw this on Twitter. I sent it to you the other day. Uh, it made me think of you initially. This is going to be a clip from the 1979 All-Star game. Uh, Nolan Ryan pitching to Dave Parker. So this is like, you know, full-on power versus power, late 70s uniforms, like all the beauty of it. Uh, two of the most, I think, entertaining and exciting players of their era. And the stole is com- the show is completely stolen. By the home plate umpire. Uh, we'll watch it, and then I want Mudcat's uh, reaction and Don's. Fast and hard. Tommy not only appears so far to the first two hitters to have tremendous velocity. All right, Fast Mudcat. Okay, here here's the things I find. First of all, I love the pillow. Bring back the pillow. Did you notice how we got the pillow underneath? Remember? You know what the pillow is? The pillow is eyewash. <laughs> it's not eyewash. Oh, no. Oh, that's another show. That is not eyewash. Secondly, I love the coat. Remember, the American League wore the burgundy coat. The National League wore the, the navy coat to distinct. Oh, no, not eyewash. And then uh, thirdly, his call was awesome. The exaggerated thing, and then the foul chip. <laughs> And then the, <laughs> I love that. I love an umpire who sells his call, like Dutch Rennert. Back in the day, umpires sold their calls. Remember, like, like if I was an umpire at second base, my out call would be this. <laughs> right? Like, out, you're out. <laughs> How about the late life on Nolan Ryan's gas? Oh, oh my God. Late life that as I was. Awesome. Can't happen. Physically impossible. I thought it was the name of your new band. <laughs> late life <laughs> oh so now late stuff. life is it, it, it that doesn't either like i surround the plate you said that never no, happens no because now as as late ball, life doesn't happen no because as soon as the ball leaves your hand it uh, loses velocity uh, the moment it leaves your hand so uh that's why there's a roll down effect like if you go on the mlb.com app and it's got the uh you know the pitches where you can tap on it uh-huh. uh, out of the hand it's like maybe 96 but the roll down it's like 88 or 87 at the plate Roll down effect is the name of my new band. <laughs> I think that's the quickest I've changed bands within 30 seconds. Yeah. You get kicked uh, out a lot. Uh, just to put a ball on that other thing. Thank you, Daniel, for doing the research for us. Uh, Daniel, you thank you. Tigers. There's a red team, I told you. Uh, middle of the last week of May. So we'll, we'll gear up for that. 
Jesse, what's the you, you mentioned red team a couple times? Are there red, like only like red and blue teams, green team? What's the what's the deal there? Oh, they have all different colors. I just remembered specifically that Matt Williams was in a red hat. Oh, I got I, you. Okay, all right. Sure, and he had red glasses. Cool. So maybe we'll see if we can get Matt Williams on to preview the series. Yeah, <laughs> he come on. Check in at eight o'clock in the morning or something yeah. like that over there. Anyway, so mud uh, foul tip is one of my favorite parts of an umpire's call. <laughs> Why? Here's a question, and maybe if I thought about it, I wouldn't have it. Why? Why is it relevant on strike three? I mean, it's good call. Good. Either call. way, it's an out. Ah, uh, good call. Good call, um, Jesse. I don't know. Um, I could see if it foul tip hit off the glove, hit the ground, and then it's you know it indicates hey, it's a foul tip. He gets another chance because right. it wasn't a, a full swing. Um, foul tip caught. You know what? I I don't know. It's eyewash. I guess it's it's being specific, which is nice. It's a it is, or indicating to some the 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 viewers that hey, it was in fact tipped and gives us something to say. Yeah, when we're describing the action, Johnny, how would you describe that? Uh, I, I don't know. It was one of those things <laughs> where I, I and I really don't care. The more I think about. It. <laughs> It's not a thing for me. <laughs> yeah, he's got eyewash. I got eyewash. John is not afflicted the way Mud and I am by thinking yeah. about stuff like this. For it doesn't like, bother me. My head I all love it. People not I love the umpire That's stuff. Not. I love it. The mechanics of it all. Uh, I got it overrated. I got a lot of guys who, you know, hey, look at me. Uh, you know, I mean, I think there's too much of that. I mean, I, but, you know. Um. That's a valid point, I think. But back in the old days, I think when you go back to the 50s, 60s, that's the, the way they were taught. Right. Because to indicate to the crowd, because there wasn't TVs, there wasn't replays and stuff like that, to indicate, yes, very emphatic, safe, out. Yeah. Oh, I but, like that. Like Ron Luciano. Ron Luciano was about Ron Luciano, right? Yeah. You remember him? Yes, of course. He did run-ins he, with Earl Weaver over the years. Yeah, yeah. He'd, shoot, he'd shoot guys out at first base like this. <laughs> Right, I can see where guys would be upset by it. Stop yeah. shooting at me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> like I get that. I understand, but no, I I don't care about the foul tip third string mm. thing. Okay, don't he's care. not going to lose sleep over it the way I. Yeah, am. no, <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. Uh, all right, how about this uh, little piece of announcing? Uh, we can roll. We had Harry Carey calling Stan Musial's three thousandth hit yesterday uh, as a Cardinal broadcaster. Wrigley uh, today on this date in nineteen sixty seven, Mickey Mantle. It is 500th home run, and the voice describing it, a very familiar one to Padre fans, Jerry Coleman working Yankee TV. The Yankees go on the road and won't be back until Memorial Day. May the 30th, doubleheader against the Minnesota Twins. First game at one. Here's a payoff pitch. of cool stuff there guys uh one obviously neat to hear the colonel uh calling a historic moment mickey mantle's five the home run other things that popped to me real quick that's not Derek jeter coaching third base it's another guy number two uh and and also i mean you could just see how hobbled mantle was at that point just like 
going around the bases, Don, it looked like it was taxing for him. Yeah, it really does. I mean, that's amazing. I, I had not seen that before, to be honest with you. That's the first time I've ever seen that. Um, that was incredible, though. Uh, you, you look back over the course of his career and how banged up he was and how, how much he played hurt. You know, I mean, that's the thing that amazes me and how effective he was uh, playing hurt and able to do what he did there. Uh, pretty incredible. But, yeah, he, he, I mean, it, it's almost Kirk Gibson-like getting around mm. the bases there. Yeah, uh, the Colonel in 1963 started a seven-year run calling Yankees games on CBS Radio, WCBS, and WPIX. So uh, that's funny about the Derek Jeter, uh, by the way, Jesse. A couple of things here. Um, yes, how hobbled he was around the bases. How about the kids coming on the field right here? <laughs> sure, why uh, not? Yeah. Staying high, that's old school. Uh, how bad the field was, the, the old uh, old Yankee Stadium, How such a bad condition the, the grass was in there. Uh, the packed house, uh, Mickey the Great, yeah, you bet. And uh, there was one other thing I was trying to think about, but I can't remember what it was. So I'm at a, I'm at a blank. I'm drawing a blank. So anyway, okay. no, that, that's very, very cool. Very cool. Yeah. Neat stuff. I, I love, too, the connective tissue of baseball. It's an amazing thing, right? That's Jerry Coleman calling mm-hmm. Mickey Mantle 500th home run. He's teammates oh. with so many of those great guys. He works with Ted. Ted works with us. I mean, it's, an, a, it's a cool generational thing. Yes. I know what it was. Jerry was teammates with Mickey, and he told yes. the story once. Mickey comes to the ballpark hungover like there's no tomorrow. He's in the game. His first at-bat, I think Jerry tells the story, hits like a two- or three-run home run and uh, whatever. And he comes back to the bench, and he sits next to the colonel, and and Mickey says to Jerry, he goes, you know, people are going crazy. They want a curtain call. And Mickey looks at Jerry, he goes, people don't know how difficult that was for me to do right there (laughs) because he was so hungover. (laughs) That's good stuff. Uh, Frank Crisetti, by the way, who is a uh, longtime uh, Yankee uh, himself, or number two as a player, an all-star in 1939. He was the third base coach, uh, cool. not Derek Jeter. So good stuff. Good stuff. Uh, on this date, as we said, uh, Mickey Mantle's 500th home run in 1967. Uh, and then a couple of notes, uh, both guys uh, who have had tragic uh, comings and goings in terms of baseball and life. Uh, Roy Halladay, born on this date in 1997. Uh, it's going to be really Interesting looking documentary on ESPN coming up May 29th, a couple of weeks from now. It's the anniversary of his perfect game uh, in Miami against the Marlins and uh, about the plane crash and some issues that he was having uh, psychologically and everything going into that. It it looks really like compelling stuff and obviously tragic, sad stuff. Uh, Doc Holliday, 1977, born on this day. Doc Gooden, 1996, uh, threw a no-hitter as a Yankee against the Seattle Mariners. So that is uh, this date in baseball history. Also want to wish a happy birthday, guys, to Brian Lawrence, Joey Cora, and Luke Gregerson. Is off the top of my head, Mud, does this sound right? Brian Lawrence, the last Padre pitcher to have an immaculate inning? Yes, I think we're looking at it because it happened at Camden Yards against the Baltimore Orioles. I remember I came out of my chair after the second out, and then it was uno dos adios on the last hitter, immaculate inning for Brian Lawrence. More rare, or is it rarer? More rare? What, Jesse, Don, help me out here. Uh, Uh, What is uh, it? Jerry Hairston. I know that. I don't know if it's more rare or rarer. No, but uh, to throw more rare rare to throw an immaculate inning than it is a no hitter. There have been fewer immaculate innings than no hitters in Major League Baseball. That goes to show you how tough it is to do. Really incredible. It is, it's one of those fun little weird baseball things. Uh, you know, yeah, because you think about it, you get to two strikes. If the guy fouls one off, you're done. It's out the window. You can't do it. it. Yeah. Really cool stuff. Oh, Coney. Joey Cora. 
Joey Cor- uh, caught me as a Padre. Uh, Benito broke his arm in a game. Uh, Mark Parent had already pinch hit, and Joey strapped on the gear and got behind home plate. His chest protector went down to his knees. It's like a little league catcher. And his shin guards went halfway up his thigh. That <laughs> was funny. Joey, good get- player. You know, a really good, really good career. Very good career. Brother, of course, uh, World Series winning manager with the Red Sox a couple of years ago and uh, caught up in all the fun in both Houston and Boston, unfortunately. All right. So happy birthday to those guys and uh, guest time now on this Padre social. We got Kirby Yates coming up in a few minutes, the uh, Padre all-star closer. But on these Fridays, we've been trying to do our uh, Friar fan spotlight a little bit. And this week I had the opportunity to catch up with Padre fan Denise Dingle. Uh, You may have seen it's all over social media. It's been on the news. Uh, She and her family have been making masks, uh, protective masks, of course, that we're all wearing out of Padre fabric. And they have done an unbelievable job of getting those out in the community. Uh, It seems like every time I refresh Twitter or Instagram, I'm seeing people in Padre masks. And I think they're all coming uh, from Denise's house or her mom's house. So she was nice enough to check in earlier today to talk to us about what she's been up to. Denise, thank you so much for taking some time to uh, join us on our Friar Fan Spotlight. You're a perfect person to talk to. And in fact, we probably should have done it weeks ago. Uh, I know Annie did for her piece in the UT. Really extraordinary work you guys have been doing. How many masks are we up to at this point? Um, We're a little bit over 600 right now. We have made about, I think we're at about 630 masks right now. What's the most you've done like in any given day? I mean, like what's the most you can do in a sitting? And how many people are involved in making them at this point? Um, we can get done about 10 to 15 a day, usually on a good day, um, assuming everything's cut out and we're ready to go. Uh, so just depending on what, what our workload looks like, um, sometimes more than others, but yeah, about 10 to 15 a day. Seems like you guys came up with the idea pretty early on in, in terms of when we all started hearing about the importance of masks and it seems like the importance of that has only gone up in the last few weeks. When was the first one? I don't know if you remember specific data or anything, but like, how long has this been going on at this point? We've been making masks since early uh, April. Uh, My husband had to wear one for work. It was something that got mandated for his job. Uh, He works for a grocery store. And so he had to wear one and asked my mom, who is an avid crafter, to make him a Padre one, knowing she had the fabric. So your mom was the the person you went to, and then you guys kind of made it a family affair. Is this sort of in line with, with skills and talents that you have, or has this been like a whole new thing to learn for you? Uh, for my mom and daughter, it's something that they have been doing before this. So they were sewers um, long before the mask started. Uh, I was taught how to sew as a kid, but I never picked it up. So I had to relearn really quick. And are they still available? I know at a couple of times you sort of run out of fabric and stuff. The demand has been uh, remarkable. Uh, are you guys uh, back in business, so to speak? And if so, definitely let everybody know how they can uh, get in touch. At this moment, we're sold out of Padre Mask um, just because of logistics. We have to get up to my mom's who lives an hour away to get fabric or vice versa. She has to come down here to give us fabric. Um, So that's always a little bit of a challenge. So we can only post so many a day and we try and keep our um, shipping times on point by only offering, you know, 10 to 15 a day is what we can make a day. Um, On top of that, we do offer other prints as well. So it's, you know, the workload sometimes the turnaround takes us a few days. Um, we're going to be posting a few more, but we're getting close to the end of uh, my mom's fa- stash of fabric. Oh, it's uh, incredible you guys have been able to do as much as you have. I think I'm sure uh, a lot of people watching right now, they're looking over your shoulder. They're not looking at you at all. Uh, they're checking no. out all the great Padre memorabilia on, on the orange wall. Tell us a little bit about what we got going on back there. 
Oh my gosh, this is one of the walls in my husband's uh, game room, which has some, um, nope, wrong one, Tony Gwynn, um, opening day pictures, some 98 teams. Uh, there is a big Tony Gwynn SI print. Um, there's some autographed pieces. He is such a huge fan of the Padres. We have been for many, many years. Um, we started going to games back in the 90s when we could drive and go ourselves. That's so cool. Favorite all-time Padres uh, for both you and your husband. Is is it one of the obvious answers? I mean, I would say probably the most iconic time was when we met Tony Gwynn. Um, after the 96 uh, playoffs, we were actually returning playoff tickets. And as we were walking up to Jack Murphy, um, I heard a laugh and um, it was Tony Gwynn. And he was kind enough, even though he was on his way out to wait for us to go into the store and buy a ball and a pen and sign it right then and there. And my husband still has it to this day. Uh, it's a great story, as is everything you've been doing. Again, uh, for anybody interested in masks, uh, production, it sounds like, is maybe slowing a little bit, but uh, still uh, social media, give us a good place where we can we can find some information, keep our eye on you guys. Uh, my daughter has created a social media handle for uh, the mask and it is Karen's homemade crafts and then on Twitter I believe it's Karen's crafts SD and so we've been putting all of our information on there uh, availability daily um, we also have a web store at Karen's homemade crafts dot square dot site um, and availability goes up every day at 6 p.m. That's awesome. Uh, what a cool thing you guys have been able to do and uh, a neat service to the community but also show the Padre colors Literally, uh, of course, uh, Denise, like I said, a worthy uh, prior fan spotlight on this Thursday afternoon. Uh, thank you so much. I hope you and your family continue to stay healthy and, and safe and that we get to see you out at the ballpark sooner rather than later. I hope so, too. Thanks. Denise Dingle, our Friar fan spotlight. And a big thanks to Denise for joining us earlier. Bring back Don and maybe Mud. I don't know. Let's see. Nope. Nope. Whoa, what's going on? <laughs> we actually don't need him. It's just fine. <laughs> Some of his best analysis right there. There it is. That's as good as he gets. There you go. Yep. As good as it gets. Had to go. Probably had to go. There he is. I see a big shadow moving around. Yep. Is he going to blame this on the dog? That's the question. Oh, he's on the phone. He's on the phone. Very busy. Oh, oh no. He's, he's got that. his own mask. He's got to put in his fancy earbuds. Hold on. I thought that was a great interview. I had to go get my mask. Were you running? Yeah, why are you so out of breath? <laughs> no, that's not me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. Wow. You go all the way to the kitchen. <laughs> Where'd you go? Ten feet? We're like five feet from here. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my goodness. Oh. I hope that this ends soon, the pandemic, because I think you need to see a doctor. <laughs> <laughs> how, do you, how do you know I haven't already? <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I just I have that sense. I mean, we've we've gained somewhere in the neighborhood of fifty-ish pounds in oh, keep going. a little over a month. <laughs> keep going. Really, it's higher than that. North all, of fifty-ish. All, all my wow. vitals are fine. Oh, yeah, it's all good. Uh, okay. Here's a quick question for you guys: mm -hmm. Do you eat for fun, or do you eat just to nourish yourself? I eat for it's fun. A, it's a valid question. Yeah, no, I mean, I would because love. I, I know some people who just, you know, eat enough just to, you know, just to keep the system going and to, and to survive. You are not one of those people. <laughs> I am not one of those people. 
If I, if I see a pizza in front of me, it's got no chance. Oh, oh my I'm going to enjoy my meals. I'm going to arms and legs away from his mouth. <laughs> so anyway, I apologize for being late. No, no, no. It's fine. It's oh, better. It's fine. It's your best stuff. <laughs> uh, no, I wish I could be one of the people who only ate what they needed to. That's never, ever been the way I, I enjoy food immensely, as I know you guys both do like the yeah. whether it's going out to eat or cooking something like it's the whole bit of it is is one of my favorite things in the world and it yeah 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 what's on the menu on Tangelo's tonight uh stir fry tonight doing mm. a stir fry very excited about it a uh, chicken and shrimp with uh, various vegetables that i had so yeah that's uh it's waiting Mudcat, sloppy Hor- joe yeah. hormel chili pop open the can pour it in the skillet heat it up eat repeat <laughs> repeat is the key <laughs> yeah doesn't take much from moi oh no oh good stuff uh all right uh kirby yates is our our other guest we actually taped this a couple of days ago uh guys before we play back the interview you know don and mud both just a, a look back at his his season last year it was remarkable his story is one of the great stories in baseball uh, the last few years, it really felt like the all-star selection was kind of the culmination of everything. Uh, I, you hate saying it like this, but like he was one of these scrap heap guys, uh, the way Brad Hand was when the Padres picked him up. And I know there's stories like that all over baseball every year. Uh, but Don, for a guy to go from where he was uh, to the pinnacle at his position, it, it's it's been a heck of a ride for Kirby. It really has. Uh, he's one of my favorite players uh, of my, my career, to be honest with you, just because, I, I, first of all, I love the guy. The guy is a tremendous person, number one. But number two, uh, everything that he went through, uh, claimed off waivers from the Angels, comes over as kind of a middle-of-the-road bullpen-type guy trying to find a spot for him. But then all the trades take place, and all the guys at the end of the game are gone. And everybody just kind of moved up, and that included Craig Stammen as well. Uh, but Kirby ends up in the closers role and to the tune of 42 saves to lead Major League Baseball last year. Are you kidding me? That's just unheard of. And I'm so happy for him. I'm uh, very surprised, uh, to be honest. But at the same time, uh, he's got good stuff. The split is awesome. Uh, and he's just a great guy. So I, I, I love him. I think that's what makes baseball great, Donnie and Jesse, is that you have the attitude as a player. You want to have them tear the uniform off you. You want to give it everything you can until you're however X amount of age uh, years old. Or if the it's the last organization that says, nope, that's it, and then you can't find another job. For Kirby Yates to do what he has done, and it's, it's attitude, it's talking to certain people through his career that has gotten him a little better as far as maybe with a certain pitch or whatever, but it's a feel-good story. And like Don said, one of his favorite players. The reason why I like Kirby so much, not only because he's a prince of a kid, but he's got the great mentality, the right mentality for a closer. He does not get flustered. He, If he has a bad outing or whatever, he doesn't let it affect him. He turns the page and has the attitude as if it's like, okay, that was a fluke. Wait till next time. I'll get you. And that was apparent last year. We didn't yeah. see too many hiccups last year from Kirby. No, he, he's great to watch. And as you both said, he's clearly one of our favorite guys uh, around the team. Just a, a wonderful dude. And as I said, had the opportunity to catch up with him on Wednesday. He is home in Arizona and uh, to see how the All-Star Closer is doing. Greg, great to see you. And uh, thank you for doing this. Uh, first and foremost, glad everybody is healthy. Uh, aside from that, how is life these days for All-Star Closer Kirby Yates? kind of a normal I guess stay-at-home dad right now uh, but it's awesome I know this um, you know this kind of this whole thing is uh, interesting and sucks and got to deal with 
deal with what you can and do what you can. But on the flip side of that, getting to spend some extra time with the family is, uh, you know, it's very, very, uh, I guess I'm making memories that, you know, you'll remember. Absolutely. Odd to be home, obviously, as much as you are in April and May. Nobody in baseball is used to that. But there are silver linings in terms of family. Um, How connected are you to baseball right now? Are you throwing? If so, how often uh, talking to guys, coaches, uh, whomever? How how connected do you feel to the game, to the team? I'm still pretty connected. Um, You know, I'm still having daily conversations with people and, you know, getting my throwing in, getting in the weight room, uh, staying in shape, waiting for that call just to hear something and uh you know hopefully we can ramp up here pretty soon and uh get a season in a couple of guys have said that it just sort of feels like the off season is is that how you feel about it too no (laughs) i wouldn't like i mean it is and it isn't it's just you know usually in the off season you have a target date and something you're working towards and you kind of understand that there's a you know there's a plan out there right now i just feel like you're just trying to kind of treading water and um you know, just kind of staying afloat and staying ready. I think that's all you can do. As we talk about like any potential way to get this thing going again, three weeks appears to be the amount of time that's kind of being thrown out there. And obviously we don't know anything yet uh, for certain, um, but from a pitcher's perspective, because obviously that's way more about pitchers than it is position players. Does that sound like reasonable to you? And just in terms of being able to get yourself game ready? Yeah, I think so. I think for the most part, everybody was kind of ramped up. So, I mean, it depends on the individual. You know, if, if he kept his arm in arm shape, kept himself in, you know, somewhat close to game shape, I don't think anybody can expect to be in, you know, real game shape without playing in games. But I think you can be close. And I, I don't think it necessarily has to be a normal spring training just based on the fact that we did do five weeks of spring training already. And, you know, hopefully everybody's in shape and, you just kind of you go with it and, uh, you know, you have to kind of accept that this is going to be different. You might feel a little different from time to time, but it, it is what it is. Game of adjustments, as we always say, and uh, none bigger than this year, it seems. Uh, a really interesting conversation with you, I think, for an interview on Padres.com at spring training about turning the page from last year. And last year, of course, was like historically great. It was incredible. Um, how was that process going, turning the page? Was it something that kind of happens like a dime or you say, that's it, where it's 2020 now, new uniform, new season, new teammates, I'm not worried about it anymore? Is it sort of a gradual thing that takes place as spring training moves along? Give us a little bit of insight, I guess, into the the psychology of turning the page from, from a great year to a new year in which obviously you have to prove everything all over again. You know, I think the thing about spring training this year is you, you talk about the previous year and, uh, you know, everybody kind of brings it, brings it all up. But for like a player or individual, you're working towards next year. So, you know, your focus is on next year and you, you can't kind of look back. Obviously, you can kind of feel good about it and, you know, be proud of what you done, you've done. But you're, you're not necessarily retiring, so you can't kind of just hang your hat and say that was awesome and, you know, I don't need to do it again. Um you know, I owe it to my teammates and I owe it to everybody to go out there and still be good. So you're still trying to, you know, work for those uh, goals that you have and those team goals, which is, you know, make a playoff run and hopefully get into the World Series and and, and do all that. And, um, you know, for me, that's that's very, very important. A lot of the hype and a lot of the buzz coming into the season was about your group, the bullpen and the relief core. Obviously, some uh, additions. Pomerantz comes back after a really great run with Milwaukee last year. Pagan acquired from Tampa. In addition to some returning studs, Stromstein. I can go on and on. Uh, how, how are you guys all feeling about yourselves as things were progressing in spring? 
I think really, really good. I think there was, you know, like you said, a number of guys that, you know, we knew what we got in them and they were throwing the ball really well in spring. And it's, it's exciting to watch. And, you know, it's, um, it's definitely one of those parts of the club that you feel good about that whoever you give the ball out, uh, to down there is going to go out and do a pretty good job and throw up zeros and uh, keep us in the game, give us a chance to win and, you know, hopefully be locked down. I think we all feel good about it. And, um, you know, we kind of all understand what it is and, and uh, you know, what it is to be like a strength of the team and, and um, you know, go out there and do pretty well. Uh, one last thing for you. Uh, spring training is weird for a lot of reasons, outings and all that kind of stuff. And and you and I are actually talking off air a few minutes ago about how hazy my memory is of, of a lot of what took place this year just because of the strangeness. So did I imagine you throwing a couple of curveballs in, in an outing or or is that something that really happened? And are, are we just having fun in spring training? No, I was working on it. I mean, I've, I've thrown a curveball before. I've thrown it in the big leagues and uh, you know, at times it was pretty good. Uh, just kind of messing around with it and seeing what I got and seeing if it's still there. Just, you know, I, I don't want to necessarily be a two-pitch pitcher. I know fastball splits my combination and it'll probably always be that. But, you know, I don't think adding a third pitch or trying something different necessarily hurts me. Um, so, you know, I was flipping a couple in there and seeing uh, kind of what it is and what it could be. And if I'll use it in the future, who knows? Um but, you know, it's just one of those things that that's time to try it. And then that's what I was doing. Is any portion of that like mind games, especially with the divisional opponents, you know, the guys that are going to end up seeing you like a fair number of at bats over the course of a season, presumably? Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I've already faced these guys for three straight years, so they, they know exactly what I got to the table. So maybe you could throw another wrinkle up there. It might put some in their head, get them thinking. But, you know, who knows? I mean, I, I, I don't think there's any mystery of what I'm trying to do to you when you get in the box. And, I, you know, I just that's just baseball. You know, you try and you try and come up with little little things here and there to kind of help you. And, um, you know, you just got to be able to execute pitches and, and do what you need to. That's the beauty of the game. They could have known what was coming and it didn't matter. None of them got to you last season. It was an incredible uh, 2019. I know we're on to 2020, maybe 2021, I guess. We'll see. Uh, but Kirby, great to see you. Uh, thanks for taking a few minutes for us and uh, glad everybody is doing well in the family. Thanks, Jesse. Take care, man. Kirby Yates, uh, Padre Closer, uh, hanging out in Arizona trying to get ready for this season. Thanks for the time earlier this week. Bring Don and Mud uh, back in here. Uh, like we said, he he is the greatest, and, and we could continue to go on and on about Kirby. But actually, I do want to pass this along to folks. Uh, Jeff Passon of ESPN kind of passing along uh, what uh, Rob Manfred apparently just said on an interview on CNN in regards to testing. And this is what we were talking about at the beginning of the show and how it might work and how we didn't really have a lot of details and information. Uh, so this is what Manfred said to CNN a few minutes ago. Testing multiple times a week for players uh, using that Utah facility. The return time on those tests is 24 hours. Uh, if you're symptomatic, you'll get instant testing. Those who test positive will be quarantined until they test negative twice. Uh, and those who have been in contact with positive tests will have instant testing as well. So that's the idea, you know, the plan. And again, we could uh, bat, bat it back and forth a uh, hundred times, all the different things that could go right and wrong with it. Uh, but definitely more details and more information there uh, that we did not have previously uh, from MLB. So there you go. That's uh, the latest on that. And uh, this one, next one, fun thing here, guys. There's this guy, Tim, on Twitter. And he is a dairy farmer in Pennsylvania. Uh, he tweets a lot at us. He, he, I, he's literally tweeted to me or tweeted you know, listening to uh, Ted and Jesse while milking the cows. Like, you know, 
<laughs> stuff you would never really actually hear. Uh, so he tweeted this one today. This is Mudcalf the Bull. Oh. <laughs> Filling out rather not well. That's I, I wouldn't expect anything less. Um, he's a big fat cow. Love that. <laughs> Love fat cow. I see cows. a lot of similarities. Yeah. A lot of he's similarities. He's got bigger ears than I do. Uh, I'm sure that's a really big hat he's wearing. <laughs> I wonder Mud if he took the stuffing out of the front. And... Um, <laughs> I don't, you know what? This could go so many ways, but I'm going to just stop right there. Um, yeah, that's a good looking. It's a good looking cow. You know what? Look at look at the. It looks like the United States a little bit. There's Florida. There's Texas. Uh, there's uh, North America, Canada, up into the Yukon. There's Alaska, upper left on the side. Doesn't it kind of look like a little map there? It's New York funny. on the upper right hand side there. I was look, thinking you got the Great Lakes right there where the Great Lakes are supposed to be. I was seeing like Africa and Europe and Asia. Mm. Did in the brown. Yeah, no, I, I don't see any of it. <laughs> you just see a big fat cow. <laughs> Don sees dinner tomorrow night. <laughs> that's just oh, you with like a tag yeah. on his ear. That's oh, it. Look at I love that. That's um yeah. that's gotta hurt the, the piercing of the ears. Yeah. Maybe like, I should tag myself so people could take it, you know. Oh, has he gained weight? Has he lost weight? What number is he? <laughs> I don't think he's lost weight. But I mean, I think that's a that's a pretty good honor. You named the yeah, cow after you. That's awesome. I I am humbled. I uh, there, you know what? Now, I, I've done. I've been very very lucky in, in my career and in my life, and to have a cow named. Is that the after, first cow that's been named after you? Well, me. Yeah, as far as you know. As far as I know. <laughs> that's good stuff. That's good stuff. All right, Tim, take care out there. Yeah, uh, all right, thank you. Uh, this is we, we did a cool thing uh, this past week uh, with Phil's barbecue. We're going to be doing it again. Uh, so keep your uh, eyes, ears and uh, mouth ready for all of it. Uh, it's open for takeout presented by Bud Light. And uh, what it is basically is uh, you check out the Twitter, uh, keep an eye out for things and uh, you'll have an opportunity to see who's delivering and maybe you'll get a delivery. So check out at Padres on Twitter early next week. As mentioned this past week, it was Phil's barbecue, barbecue and Rafael Ruiz. Uh, was the lucky winner. Uh, he responded and was chosen. So Raphael and his family, oh, they got some good. That looks mm, good. Pills. Outstanding. Oh, yeah, dig in. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. So uh, congrats to Rafael Ruiz. Glad you guys enjoyed the meal. Thank you for sharing the pictures with us. Uh, that's open for takeout presented by Bud Light. And remember, check out at Padres on Twitter early next week to see who is delivering next week. Um, obviously, during these times, a lot of the ways we've been entertaining ourselves from a sports perspective is watching old games. That has continued to be the case on Fox Sports San Diego just about a half hour from now. Uh, second game of that uh, season-ending three-game series in L.A. in 1996 Obviously, one of the, the great three-game series in Padre history. Uh, went up to Dodger Stadium, won all three games to take the National League West flag home, uh, down the five to San Diego afterwards. So the second game of that three-game series, the Saturday game, uh, coming up tonight on Fox Sports San Diego. Mud, uh, this it really is a, a remarkable three days in Padre history. It really is. And correct me if I'm wrong, but both teams were in. It was just a matter of the wild card and the division winner, correct? We can look, but I I think that was the case. I think both teams were in, but it's just you know you want to win the division so you can you know you could be the the higher seed team or whatever. Uh, but uh, the Chris Gwynn double comes to mind. I know that was on I think that was on the last day of the season, and then when Trevor struck out. Well, I don't want to give anything away. I don't want to be a spoiler, but no, it was a great three days. 
with the situation at hand, yes, these guys knew that they were going to get to the playoffs, but they just wanted to win a division. And by sweeping the Dodgers, they did just that. Donnie, think- do you have any commentary on Trevor's pants? Uh, no, I, I've already talked to him about it. We had a conversation about how tight his pants were, and he claims, and I, I do agree with him, that uh, that was the way guys wore their pants in that era. It, it's true. It's not just him, but it just stuck out to me on one of the uh, games we were watching from Houston in the postseason. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, like, you know, it, it almost looked like you'd have to lie down to get them on, and I don't know how he got them off. <laughs> you you got to jump so. from a three-story building to get into those pants. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but I did. I, I asked him about it. We had him on uh, one of our Friar Fridays. And I said, hey, well, yeah, tighter pants. Really? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and he explained. Look at the calves. Oh, my god! Oh, gosh. yeah. Yeah, plus he's got, you know, really strong legs. Well, look at those hands. He, he's got to work out. I think he works out, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. If that. I had to guess. A Raul Mondesi? <laughs> Raul Mondesi, yes. Yes, it is. Yeah. Mike Burrito with the radar gun with the hat behind uh, the gentleman who discovered Fernando in the in the yeah. Mexican leagues back in the day. Good stuff, man. That's 1996 uh, tonight on Fox Sports San Diego. Uh, Neat thing uh, we wanted to pass along from our friends uh, at the United States Air Force. Uh, We've seen this with the Blue Angels. We've seen it with the Thunderbirds. And uh, tomorrow, the Thunderbirds will be making their rounds uh, around San Diego County. So you might have the opportunity uh, to check them out. Looking forward to doing that with the kid. Uh, You know, that kind of thing. So I think we have the map of uh, their route. They do not get east to Alpine Mud. I don't believe Mm. they have the fuel capacity to do that. Uh, (laughs) They don't go to Arizona. No, they, they start South Bay around noontime. Don, they'll buzz right past you there on the other side. Oh, yeah. Yeah, right around uh, lunchtime and then up the coast, a couple of squigglies out to El Cajon uh, before uh, finishing up uh, my direction up here in the San Marcos area at 1225 tomorrow. That's very cool. So, yeah, check that out. That, uh, Mud, you were supposed to do this a few years yeah. ago. You, what it happened? You couldn't fit a cow in the cockpit. He was too fat. They said no cows allowed. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I offered it to There's Jesse. A weight and, limit. Yeah. A weight limit. Yeah, I, I would have. I would have. The, the ejector seat wouldn't have worked. No. <laughs> <laughs> That's upside not, down, by the way. If you haven't caught on to that. Oh, well, not sorry about it, Maverick. A cow. Yeah. <laughs> Mud couldn't fit. Uh, you mentioned Friar Fridays. We got one coming up tomorrow at 5.30. Padres hit the road. I can't believe, by the way, you guys have full control over these games in terms of who plays and when and where and everything like that. You're going to cores of all Zero. Zero. Yeah. Oh, no. Believe me. When I saw that. Him. I was like, oh, my yeah. God. We're going to Denver? But uh, but I was excited because then we got to go to Chiba Hut and to Marquis Pizza. <laughs> but uh, we're we're not going. We're we're doing it from home. Uh, but yes, we're excited about it. Tomorrow night we'll be at Coors Field. I'm told the weather's not going to be great, so hopefully we play. I hope we get uh, it in. Yeah. It's it's supposed yeah. to rain, so I, I'm not sure. But we're we're looking forward to it. Well, I just checked my app, and tomorrow night in Denver it's supposed to be dry. <laughs> so we'll probably and, get rained out and jesse i gave a I gave a little shout out to our favorite coffee uh place dasbog oh russian coffee yeah. russian coffee yeah right next to the hotel so we frequent that quite a bit i will say this we we really don't have any control over anything in the game itself so uh but i will say it, it is fun winning every week i mean that that, that part's <laughs> been really cool yeah it's like better than losing <laughs> Five and oh, I'm, I'm curious <laughs> to see if video, game, if video game cores plays like real cores or if it just plays like video game anywhere. Stay uh, tuned. Be I to see. It be. Yeah. Well, be fun uh, pitching matchup, I believe we got Lamette and Gray is what I was Gray. Talking. Yes. John Gray. 
Hard-thrown right-hander, a good breaking ball, a strikeout guy out of University of Oklahoma. He's been uh, a Rocky his whole career, a free agent after this year. And you know what, Donnie? He's one of those guys you got to get to early, don't you think? I think so. And I I have a feeling with the lineup they're going to have tomorrow night that uh, perhaps they can get a good start. But again, I'm very worried about the weather. Yeah, (laughs) they do have rainouts uh, in Denver. The reason why Don is concerned about the delays is because there's a lot (laughs) better chance to eat more stuff during the rain delays. (laughs) But I will be doing that this year. Don will be limiting his intake, whereas if there's rain or snow delays this year, I will partake in the... You're going to max out. You're going to blow up. Why not? (laughs) Explode all over the... (laughs) Why not? Like Mr. Priest. We don't worry about snow delays this year. That's the good thing. I need another bar. (laughs) Uh, I'm going to pay for the midway fare. I hope everybody has a wonderful weekend. Uh, you guys are awesome. Miss you guys. Yeah. You guys. Love you guys. 530. Love you. Donnie, uh, love you. Back at you, big dog. Jesse. Oh, look what I got, by the way. Mud the cow. cow loves you guys. I watch. Mud cow. <laughs> you and your love, I watch. <laughs>